Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. As the children are going out, I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, 13 to 32. After you open that, I want you to stand up. Luke chapter 12, 13 to 32. Luke chapter 12, 13 to 32. If you found it, it's a long passage. We're going to read together. I want you to stand up and we're going to read together. Uh, You found it. You found it. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. On the screen, we have King James Version. So follow through. Verse 13, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, God against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own, by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fatal farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for any, for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I will have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I will sit back and say to myself, my friend... You have enough stowed away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Let's skip to verse 29. And in verse 29, Jesus said, And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And he will give you everything you need. And verse 32. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And our ears are open. Our eyes are open and attentive to see you. And our hearts are open. Plant your word within us. And we promise good fruit shall arise from us. We give glory to you in all these things. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Somebody says, seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Today I will talk to you about a subject I've entitled, More Kingdom, More Life. Before you sit down, turn to your neighbor, say, More Kingdom, More Life. Turn to the other neighbor, More Kingdom, More Life. Praise God. You can sit down. Amen. More Kingdom, More Life. I want you to realize a few things uh, as we talk about this subject. More of the kingdom will give you more of the life you desire. That's what I want to share with you. I strongly believe that. The more you find the kingdom, the more you will find what Jesus calls all these other things. The way to finding other things is to find the kingdom first. Are you with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But perhaps let me start from this journey from another angle. You see, we should all hold it true, because the Bible really suggests this, that everywhere we are in life, everything that we are doing, wherever we are found, at our workplace, the homes we live in. I was just talking to Tolly and Valerie, they are moving soon. They've already started moving. And, and all that, you should know that God places you there. Hello? Because if a person does not understand that what you're going through right now, the things that are happening around you, and the places you go, God is very aware that you're going through them. So by implication, he lets you go through them. Hello? How many know the story of Job in the Bible? God was very aware of what the devil was doing. It is God who gave him the parameters of what he can touch and what he cannot touch. He let Job go through that. That's where I want to start this journey of more kingdom, more life. I want to start it from the understanding that wherever you are right now in life, God has allowed you to be there. Now You might be in a job you don't like. You might be living in a neighborhood you don't like. You might even be living in a house you don't like. But the fact that God is aware means God has allowed it to happen. He has let you live in that place. Are you with me? It's very important and very profound that we understand this. Now, Scripture generally has agreement on this. The Apostle Paul, in Acts 17, says it this way. In verse 26, 28, he says it. From one man, Adam, he made, meaning God, every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us all over the earth. Who did that? God. He says, he sets the boundaries of people and nations. God. He determines their appointed times in history. Who did it? God. He says in verse 27, he has done this so that every person would long for God. Feel their way to him and find him. 
for he is the God who is easy to discover. It is through him that we live, move, and have our being. Just as some of your own prophets or poets have said, we are God's offspring. Are you with me? The Apostle Paul's view is this. Everywhere where we live, to be found in whole, it is God that has dispersed you to this place. To be born in whole, it is God that has given you even the place where you should be born. Everything is intentional. Hello? Once you understand that, you will stop mourning too much about life and you will begin to understand the purpose why God has done it that way. More kingdom, more life. David puts it this way in the Psalms. We've read, we know Psalm 23, all of us. Portions of it say what? He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. Are you with me? So David's view is that it is God who makes these things happen. At some point in another psalm, David says, my boundaries are falling in the right places. God makes my boundaries fall in the right places or my lines. Hello? David actually takes it further. At some point, he says it this way. God orders even the steps of the righteous. Are you with me? He is God and he knows what is going on with your life. And where you are right now, he knows. Even the house where you live, he knows. And perhaps he even ordered your steps. Are you with me? Most of us think we are just victims of our decisions. There's something I'm going to show you. On a bigger scale, the will of God is at play in your life. Mm. There is a place for choice and all that. He can order your steps. A few, a few years ago, like a couple of years ago, Debbie and I were driving to one of our kids' parties. I don't know who it was, whether it was Zengi or Asante. And, and we were going to have this birthday party in Hazel, like proper Hazel, where the village hotel is, that area. So we were going to, to, to that party. We were slightly late, and we were driving. All of us were in the car. We got to the roundabout over there, the Hazel roundabout, and usually when I'm going to that side of Hazel, I would rather go on the S63 and go in because it's much quicker. And especially that we were late. But when we got to the roundabout, somehow I got convinced I should take the Hazel road. So I skipped first exit, second exit, went for the third, and I was in Hazel Road. On a Saturday at around 11 o'clock, Hazel Road can be busy in the summer. And as soon as I got onto Hazel Road, I'm like, oh, why did I get on this road? The traffic, we were late. There were people waiting already for us there. And, 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 and so as we begin to drive down Hazel Road, a few meters ahead, we, 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 saw, we saw Happy. You know, Happy? Our Happy? 
And she had just bought this new car, so it was very easy to spot her, her new car. And, and she was there, and her car was in the road uh, at an awkward angle, and she had hazard lights on. And I'm thinking, that's happy. So as we drive up to her, I didn't know she had seen us coming. So as we drive up to her, I roll the window down. Are you okay, happy? She says, I'll follow you. And we said, okay. So we just start, continue driving. We are already late. And, and she starts to follow us. And, and we drive all the way. So Debbie's saying, she must be coming to the, to the party as well. I'm like, oh, brilliant then. So we turn up at the party. We park. She parks next to us. She comes out. She says, Pastor Bill, God loves me. I'm like, why? She says, you know, when you found me on Hazel Road, I was coming to this party and I was totally lost. I didn't know where I was going. Uh, I, I didn't even have the address. And so I parked the car. And if you know her, you know she would do such things. She parked the car and started praying for God to send help. She says, I parked the car and I prayed. I said, God, send help because I'm not turning back with these children. And you came. <laughs> awesome story, right? But how many times has that happened to your life? Most of the times you walk in the place and at the right time you meet the right person and the thing happens and people would put it down to coincidence. But the truth is God can order your steps even in small things like that. Somebody stuck on Hazel Road, I make a decision to go the direction I didn't plan to go. Amazing. I've got many stories like that. The day I met Bright, the first time I led Bright, we, we, we prayed with Bright to lead him to the Lord. I didn't want to be in that place. I didn't even want to come. You know the pastor who preached? Comfort. He's the reason I came. Because I had said, I'm tired now, it's too much. We had stayed up all night with the whole funeral thing. And, and I went back home and I slept and comfort came to my house and said, Pastor Phil, there's no way I'm going to be in hall. Because he was from Rotherham. He says, I'm not going to be in hall and you're not coming. You're going to be, you're going to come with me, please. Let's run this service together. And he really convinced me and I turned up there. Turns out bright God saved Turns out, Bright is here now. Coincidence? God can order our steps. Are you with me? <laughs> hey, when we put it like that, we begin to understand. That the things that we're doing, most of the things we're doing, you know, and even the little jobs we have and all that. God can really be the one ordering you there. Before you decide to quit, just wait a moment. There might be a reason why God really has allowed you to be there. In that school, in that neighborhood, and in those places. Amen? Amen. What challenge do we have in these places when we go there? Usually why... We find it hard to believe that it is God who ordered me here. Is for the simple reason, very simple reason that in those places, sometimes we fail to focus on him. Ah. 
Our challenge is usually what? Focus. Let me show you what the Lord Jesus is really teaching, you know. Our challenge is really usually focus. What he is teaching, I'm going to come to that. To my text now, the text I just read. So he begins by telling them the story of, hey, uh, he's asked a question. As usual, Jesus was so fun to be around, right? When he's asked a question, you should take your notepad out because there's going to be more lessons to come out. Three for one. You know? So the guy says, shouts from the crowd. He says, Jesus, would you tell my brother to share the inheritance my parents left with me? Because his brother is being greedy. And so Jesus answers him and he says to the guy, it is not in my place to decide who gets what in your family. In short, in short that's what he's saying. But then he, decides, he says, but I have a warning for everyone. And the warning is this. Be careful about greed. Because, he says, life does not consist in what you own. But in your connection with the Father. Are you with me? Mm. And in that teaching, he begins now to teach about the issue of greed. To arriving at the famous, famous verse that we always talk about. It's also in Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will what? Be added unto you. How does he arrive at that verse? He arrives it because he's addressing the issue of greed. So here's point number one. Greed is the number one reason we get distracted to see what God is doing in whatever place he has put us. Did you get me? It's the number one reason. What, 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 what is greed? <laughs> you see, we are all born, to understand greed, we must understand this. We are all born with this ability in us to seek for more, a desire for more. It's a natural desire. If you don't have a desire for more, the baby will never walk. The baby must have a desire for more, right? It's there. We, God just has given us this desire for more. This is why we go to school. This is why we read books. This is why we, we, we just desire more. It is called a gift of hunger. And that desire for more is natural. But like every natural desire, when the enemy manipulates it, it becomes greed. What am I saying? Greed is simply the natural desire for more manipulated by the enemy to become the sole desire for your life. So your desire for more begins to be the only biggest thing about your life. So we put you in a house, you want more house. We put you in a car, you want more car. We put you in a job, you want more money. We put, do you understand? And all for your Maybe to illustrate that point much clearly, 
Let's see what Jesus says in the story he gives. So the story he gives is that there was a man and, and he had a fertile land. So it so happens that he had such great, a good land of farm. And so when he planted his crops, he had a bumper harvest. And when he had a bumper harvest, the bumper harvest is not bad, is it? Who wouldn't like a bumper harvest? But when he had a bumper harvest, Jesus says, the man decided, he looked at his storehouse and he says, it is small. And his decision was this, I will tear down this storehouse and I will build bigger ones. The reason being, so that I may keep all this for myself and sit down and boast my soul will be satisfied. I will drink and be merry. And Jesus calls that greed. When the desire for more is turned into a selfish ambition. Greed. If you look at that, you begin to understand. You don't have to have much to be greedy. Some of the greedy people, most greedy people are poor. So this man had a choice. I've just received a bumper harvest. And here he's, he's got two choices. I could use this bumper harvest in a good way and also serve God. Or I could keep all of it for myself. And guess which choice he chose? The greedy one. I'm going to keep it for myself. And Jesus says, God said the same night, you're a foolish man, you're going to die tonight. And let's see. <laughs> let's see who's going to have what you thought was yours hallelujah there is a wonderful teaching in that but I was using that to explain to you greed is simply the manipulation of the natural desire we have for more the enemy manipulates it that more becomes the sole purpose for your life you want more comfort more pleasure more money more, oh, more, more, more. And the culture of today is really feeding that. You sit in front of your TV and you'll be fed that. You go to the cinemas, they would do it like 40, an hour before the movie starts. They are just bombarding you with more. You need this. Oh, if you didn't know, you also need this. And you need this. And you need this. You need Duracell batteries. <laughs> you, you, you just need everything you know you, you need pizza you need, they make sure they convince you that you need everything it's amazing when I watch TV sometimes with, with Zoe and, and, and you know and, and they, the advertisers are very wicked they have decided they know that children do not watch the kids channels alone so some of the adverts that come on the kids channels are targeted to the parents. In fact, all of them. And so sometimes they, 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 an advert comes up, and, and it's amazing, but when you're watching with Zoe, and she'll be like, oh, dad, can you get me that? Can you get me that? <laughs> okay, so I'll be busy somewhere. Maybe I'm reading. I'm like, okay, I didn't even see what she's talking about. <laughs> the next advert comes up, oh, dad, can you get me that? Can you get me that? It's like she wants everything. It's like you need it. It's like you didn't know you needed anything until you turned your TV on. <laughs> Feeding the culture of greed. 
Comfort. More comfort. You need more comfort. You sat on your chair enjoying yourself. They show you another chair. <laughs> DFS. <laughs> These things can start fights in a home. You said, you're okay until they show you another one. Bank holiday sale. Greed. What is Jesus teaching? Greed is the number one distraction from focusing on the kingdom of God. The more you want more for yourself, the more you get distracted from the kingdom of God. Because Jesus' teaching is this. You need to think more kingdom first, and then all these things will be fed to you, will be added to you by God. How many know that God loves to give us things? You know, Zengi just had a birthday party with his friends yesterday. And, and, and we bought him some stuff. And his friends gave him some stuff. And, 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 and he was opening his presence in the presence of his friends. And, and, and at some point, I wasn't seeing his face. Because uh, I was at a wrong angle. And, and, and I said, Zengi, look at me. And then and I saw his face. His opening presence. His face is like, ah, he's so excited. He's happy. And as a parent, you just love to give your children stuff because of that wonderful reaction. Maybe that, oh, I'm thinking about it. Maybe that's why he prophesied so strongly on me this morning. Because <laughs> he was like, you know, usually it's Asante who prays when they do such a thing. But now it was Zengi. He was just like, started speaking over me. I'm serious. He, he just prophesied over me and, and prayed for me. I get the deal. But you get the idea. If we love it when we see our children happy, you know, I went to buy him these football boots, but when I got to the shop, I had forgotten what he wanted. I'm like, which, which boots did he, which, which ones? You know, and, 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 and I figured, I thought, okay, I think it's these ones. Anyway, I can come and change them. Uh, if he, so I bought these boots and then I took them home. And when he opened the box and he screamed, yes! Guess who was happy? Me. I, I, I enjoyed giving him this. The Father in heaven enjoys giving you stuff. Now, if you keep wanting more for yourself, you're saying you will provide for yourself. And God is going, seek me first. Seek me first. I enjoy giving you stuff. I will give you more than you can give yourself. You think my son at age eight now, can afford the boots I bought for him? How? And that's just me, a human being with limited resources. God enjoys giving you stuff. So he says, no, 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 don't seek more. Seek more of me. Seek more of the kingdom, and I will add these things to you. I'm story. You know, Debbie likes to say it this way. Most of us will get to heaven and we'll be shocked when Jesus says, come, let me show you a storeroom, bright. And Jesus will take you to a storeroom and it's written bright, and, and, he, and he will open it, an angel will open it for you. And Jesus will say, now walk into this room and you walk in that room and you will find all sorts of things. And you, bright, will be asking the question, why is this room in my name? And Jesus says, you could have had all this stuff on earth. Because God 
He's storing up treasure for you. There's a lot he can give you. He's a father with unlimited resources. But the problem is if you don't seek him first, you don't get to experience that he's a giving God. Are you with me? So the man decided, the rich man, is going to preserve his own life. And God said, that's not the way it works. Here is the story where it ends. It does not matter where you are in life, therefore, right now. Depending on what I'm talking to you about. If you start seeking more of the kingdom of God first, it doesn't matter how small your job is. It doesn't matter how, how small your house is. It doesn't matter how small your career looks. It really does not matter how small your income is. It doesn't matter how bad your neighborhood looks and you would love to change houses. It really doesn't matter. The first thing is before you change your house, before you do anything about your job, could it be that God has placed me here for a reason? You've got to start seeking the kingdom first where you are. Hello? Where you are, you've got to start seeking the kingdom first. If you believe what I'm trying to show you, you will understand how to walk in more. You don't walk in more because you sought for more of it. You walk in more because you sought for more of God. More of the kingdom. When I moved to this country, I'm going to be finishing in a short while. When I moved to this country, the first time I moved here, I, 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 uh, before I moved, I've told you this story many times, so I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm going to cut it very short. I'm summarizing it. Before I moved, I had to take convincing, you know, by God to say, he wants me to move. Because I was set. I, I thought I'm going to go into ministry. I'm going to do medicine and ministry in my life. And that's all. You know, I work in the hospitals. And, 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 uh, and if, if what I saw as ministry was being a medical doctor or something and helping people. Okay? You get it? Yeah. That's what I saw as ministry. I loved the preaching, but I, I could do it even though I was working. It's fine. Right? And so I thought, yeah, my time, uh, you know, by the first attempt to get into medical school, it didn't work well for me. I ended up with a pharmacy degree and, uh, and, and all that. But I was going to get there. So when the issue of moving here came, uh, I didn't want to do it. And through prayer, God showed me and he talked about the issue of ministry. No, 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 I'm going to set you into ministry in the UK. And I thought, really? Wow. I just finished laughing at one of my friends. You know Pastor Chance? <laughs> Pastor Chance had God speak to him to come and do ministry in the UK. And in the youth group, we did what we normally do. Laugh. Because Chance was worse than me. He came from a very remote village. He had nothing on him. And he said, God wants me to go to the UK. And everybody, all of us said, you just, you, you just want money. God spoke to you about the UK. And then God spoke to me. Okay, so it was like a year, two years later. So I, I, so I said to Debbie, it's done. It's a done deal. We're going to do it. But when I got here, that's a, on a, that's a spiritual reason, okay? On a spiritual level. But on the natural level, I know I'm moving from a country that 
whose GDP, I mean, is, is even less than the economy of whole. And I'm moving into a country which is much richer. I know I'm moving to a country, the UK, that has more opportunities for me. So as soon as I landed in the UK, I wanted more of the education for myself. More of the money for myself. More of the lifestyle. How many know the longer you stay, the more you want it? <laughs> At first you just want a car. Then you learn that number plates mean the year yeah. of registration. Now you want the number to read 18, 19. <laughs> More comfort. And so I remember as I, as I continued to work and, and you know, doing pharmacy, I'm thinking, what, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to study? What am I, you know, you know, and, and, you know, and all that. And there was this rule that you stayed for three years and then you can become a home student. I don't know whether it changed. So I was waiting for my three years. But funny, God began to speak to me within those three years. By the time those three years had elapsed and I was planning to go to university, my reasons had changed. It was now for more of the kingdom. <laughs> he began to remind me, this, I, remember you were arguing when I told you to come here? And what I told you to come to do here was not for you. <laughs> it is just... The way we are as human beings. We want more for ourselves when we get into a place when there's opportunity, right? But I'm here to remind you. More of the kingdom of God. Wherever God has placed you right now, begin to say, how can I see more of the kingdom of God here? Don't join those that are complaining. Don't join that queue and just begin to argue. Oh, Kerwick, Kerwick, oh, it's rubbish. Don't start complaining. Don't start complaining about your boss. Don't start complaining about your office. Don't start complaining about your education. Don't, don't, don't. Just begin to say, how can more of the kingdom of God happen here where I am? In closing, I have a story that I can show you. And it's a story in Acts 17, I think. Yeah, Acts 16. I'm not going to read it. It's a long story. But if you, for your interest, if you're writing Acts 16, verse 16 to 31 or 32. The story is the story of Paul and Silas. I just love this story. But it also illustrates the people that have a mindset that says more of the kingdom wherever they go. So Paul and Silas have just delivered a girl that had a demon. And because of that, the masters, the owners of the girl are not happy with them. The whole, country, the whole, the whole city is thrown into a riot. Paul and Silas are arrested under the guise, the charge of what? Inciting violence. And they are arrested and they are put in maximum security prison. The Bible says they were put in the middle of the prison, chained everywhere. Chained. Who would love to be in such a place? You think Paul and Silas were so happy that they were in a prison? They are beaten and they are left there. And the Bible says in the middle of the night, I just love how specific the scripture is. In the middle of the night, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God and all the prisoners 
head them. Talk about kingdom first. Talk about kingdom first. You know, I look at that and say, and then I'm going to complain because I don't have the income that I want. These guys are in prison, chained for doing nothing wrong. But even in the prison, even in the prison, they decide kingdom first. So they begin to pray. Now, we are not told how they prayed, but here is my suggestion. I think they were praying, our Father who art in heaven. Your kingdom come. And they were singing kingdom in the prison. And all the prisoners were hearing them. All the prisoners. When you begin to say kingdom comes. Here's what happens. In that very small job of yours. The kingdom comes where? In that job. Because as they prayed kingdom come. And they began to sing kingdom come in that prison. The Bible says suddenly there was an earthquake. And all the chains fell away. I think the description of earthquake is for want of a better word. How do you call that an earthquake? An earthquake that removes chains from people's hands? <laughs> the last thing you want to happen is an earthquake if you are chained. Because you're going to die. But this earthquake was very selective. All it did is remove their chains from their legs, from their hands. Not just them. All the prisoners. Not just that. Opened wide the prison doors. Kingdom comes. Listen, if you can just understand and stop complaining, stop, stop thinking, oh, you know, in this work, I need to change this job. And just begin to decide, okay, we're going to see the kingdom here for as long as I'm here. If I'm here for three years, we're going to see kingdom. If I'm here for six months, we're going to see kingdom. Are you with me? And you begin to sing and pray kingdom. In that situation that you are in, the kingdom will come. The chains were broken. And the jailer came shouting, trying to kill himself because he knows the prisoners have run away. Until Paul said, we are here. Don't harm yourself. And he, the jailer, the only thing he said was this. How can I be saved? They didn't preach. He just saw what happened. And he said, how can I be saved? And they said, repent. And you and your entire household will be saved. And if you follow the story, you find they went to his house. He made food for them. They baptized him and his entire family. Prisoners. In a confined place. You know, I... You've become so westernized, all of you. If I say prison, I know what you're seeing. You're seeing the ones you see on the movies. With nice beds and, you know, and food. And uh, I should take you to the prison in Malawi. It's a dungeon. You don't want to be there. When you go to see people there, I remember we used to go there to, to, to minister to people. As you go to minister to people there, you, you're shaken to the core. You come out and you go, whoa, how can we keep people like this? But I put it to you, this one is worse than that one. Because preachers were treated like the scum of the earth. They were the modern day scourge. They didn't like them. And so when they put them in maximum security, they put them in a dungeon, 
It's us who are calling it prison. It's really a dungeon. It's in darkness and blackness of darkness, if you like. It's damp, it's wet, it's, 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 uh, it's the worst place to be. There are rats everywhere. There was no nice prison. And they decided, even in this place, kingdom come. Huh? Your will be done. Kingdom come. And kingdom did really Two lessons, sentences that I'm going to finish with. If you start praying and singing kingdom come wherever you are, that same place will come under your influence. Eventually, that place will come under your influence. The whole prison came under their influence, including the guards. The guard did not say, oh, you're still here. Fine, get back in your chains. Lock up the place. My job is safe. He came under their influence. He bowed down to them, to prisoners. He took them to his house, washed their wounds, fed them, I think, the best food he could ever afford. He fed them and and they baptized him. The guard became under them. The guard forget about his, he forgot about his bosses. That workplace of yours, you need to take kingdom come to that workplace. I'm telling you, you need to start saying the kingdom come here. Why? Because I'm here. The kingdom will come here. And you need to start singing praises. And I like that all the prisoners were hearing them. Make a mistake. Let somebody hear you. I remember when I worked in pharmacy, I used to sing all the time. And some people used to call me the singing dispenser. I used to sing all the time. I'll be there on the computer and I'll be like, Your grace is enough. Your grace. I love singing, but I found a way of using it as an advantage. Because you see, if I stop and start preaching, you might not like it. If I sing, you won't stop me. Your grace is enough. You love singing, Phil. Yeah, I do quite. I like to sing. I sing at church even. You know, and, and are you with me? Make a mistake, let somebody hear you. Let them hear you, let them hear you go. Oh, what song is that, Carabo? Oh, it's unlimitable. (laughs) Make a mistake. Hello? The second sentence as we finish is this. If you start directing your talents towards the kingdom coming, more will be added to you. Hello? Your talents. If you start directing them, like that rich farmer, he decided to direct all his talents, his efforts, his best wisdom to sustaining only himself. And Jesus said, foolishness. But if you start directing the talents to kingdom come, let your talents begin to sing kingdom come. You know, I'm using the word sing there figuratively, right? Or whatever. Let let your talents begin to say kingdom come. Let your talents begin to think about how the kingdom is going to come. I know my wife was saying earlier on and she was saying, oh, he's always, uh, he thinks about threshold. He thinks about you. It is true. But most of the time for me, it's a deliberate thinking of how can we bring the kingdom into the city in a much greater way. 
If you attended any of my prayer meetings when I'm hosting a prayer meeting, it somehow ends up there. I may start from somewhere else. I'm not one person that will come in a prayer meeting and start leading a prayer meeting. We are praying for money. Money, come, money. No. I will always end you up at let us pray kingdom come in this city. We want to see the kingdom. We want to see the kingdom. You come to me with your biggest problem and I still believe the kingdom can sort it out. If you can see more of the kingdom in your house, it can sort. The, king, the problem can be sorted. Are you with me? I strongly believe that. You come with sickness, kingdom can sort it out. The kingdom is an entire planet of solutions. And if we can begin to just go to our workplaces and, and begin not to worry too much about, oh, they won't let me witness, and begin to think, kingdom come. God, how can the kingdom come here? And begin to pray that into your workplace. Begin to pray that in whatever situation you are, God will begin to show you how the kingdom will come in those places. As you pray, he shows you. As you pray, he shows you. And chains will begin to fall. Are you with me? And we're going to together win the city for Christ. The way to win the city for Christ is not for you to wait until you are now comfortable in life. No. It is for you to, where you are right now, begin to go kingdom come, right here. As you do your care work, as you do your, whatever work God has given you, kingdom come. Are you with me? Your resources must be more about kingdom coming than more about sustaining yourself. Do you believe Jesus when he says these things will be added to you? Because that's what I did and I'm still doing with my life. I strongly believe he can add to me. I strongly believe. I once set a challenge for myself. And the challenge was this. I want to be able to say, this house God provided for me. These shoes God provided for me. This car driving God provided for me. This money I have, God provided. I want to be able to genuinely say that. And I've seen God do that in my life. Genuinely. I've seen him sometimes, if I depend on something too much, he shuts it off. He just shuts it off so that I can look to him again. And for some of you, that's what's happening right now. The fountains you have so depended on, they're just not looking the same, are they? And you've got to learn, it's about kingdom coming. You're like, but it worked last year. He shut it down. That's it. It's not going to work again. Look to him again. Because he loves it. He really loves it. When we begin to say kingdom come. Amen. And we're going to lead many people to Christ that way. Let's stand up. Praise God. Praise God. Did you learn something from that? You're going to go into your workplace and begin to say kingdom come? Yes. You're going to do a 